want to tell you a story today, so just use your imagination at the first part. It's about a little town that long ago in Israel, probably nobody would have ever noticed. It's a small place with basically one main road that went through the town. Almost all the men worked at the quarry and nobody had two extra nickels to put together in that entire town. They were just poor as they could be. But right along that main road, there were two houses. On the house on this side, there was the mother of a little boy. On the house of that side, there was a family that had a little girl. And that little boy had one purpose in his life, and that was to make that neighbor little girl's life miserable. And so one day his mom was looking out the window. There was a little rock wall that went alongside the road. And she looked out there, and her little boy was hiding down beneath the wall. She thought, what's he up to? And then she looked down the road on the other side of the rock wall. The little girl had her hair in pigtails that day, and she was just sashaying down the, hall, the, the road, just swinging those pigtails. And as soon as she went by, the little boy jumped over the wall behind her, from behind, grabbed both pigtails and pulled them. And the little girl yelled out, Mama, he's done it again. <laughs> Something like that happened all the time. And then finally, some changes began to happen. She began to do more with her hair than just put it in pigtails. And he began to bathe when he wasn't even asked. And you could sense there was something more than tension between the two. And sure enough, the word went out all over the village, there's going to be a wedding. Now, I want to tell you something, folks. They knew how to do weddings back then. I mean, I, God bless you. We do weddings here, and you spend thousands of dollars and st stand still for 20 minutes and get some pictures made. And... <sighs> but they knew how to throw a party. Of course they did their vows, but then they would have the feast, they would have the Jewish dancing where the men hooked arms with men and went around in a circle as the music was played. It was meant to be just the most delightful day because life was gonna be hard for that couple. And the last thing they did was they had in advance taken two chairs and put them on poles. And that was gonna be the thrones for this man and this wife. And, and so they bowed down and declared them the king and queen of the city. And then they put them on the poles and lifted them up and escorted them in a parade with everybody in the town following. They took them to their house. They lowered the chairs and he picked his bride up in his arms and went inside and they began their life together. Like I said, he, he did what all the other men did. He got a job at the quarry. They were as poor as they could be. But even the poorest wife can add her touches to a home and make it special. And sure enough, it was the place of great warmth. They loved each other. That's all that mattered. They just were glad to look at each other across a table that didn't have much to eat, but they loved each other. And one day he came home from the quarry and she put a tablecloth over there and her, had her best dress on. And he looked at her and said, what's up, honey? And she said, nothing, daddy. Oh, my. There's nothing more exciting than the first pregnancy. The fifth one's old, but there's nothing more exciting than the, than the first pregnancy because you're watching as life is born inside the woman. The baby begins to move, and finally the day came when that baby was born, and the whole village gathered outside the house waiting to hear, and sure enough, a young man came out, and he was holding his son. And I'm going to tell you something. There's something about a daddy when he holds his boy in his hands. He looked at him. That little boy, I imagine, grabbed his finger. And the bond was there from the beginning. 
And they just continued on their life. And, and, and you know, that little boy began to walk. And you, if you noticed it, he walked just like his daddy. He began to talk. And if you listened, he talked just like his daddy. And even though life was hard, they were so thrilled because they couldn't feel that they could have any more of a fullness in their hearts until one day. There was a knock on the door in the middle of the day. She opened the door and she could tell by their faces that something terribly was wrong and they couldn't even speak. They just said, we're sorry, we're sorry. Soon after that, another group of men came from the quarry and they brought the body of that young husband home. There'd been an accident. And it was the duty of the wife to lay her husband on the bed and to bathe his body. They had only hours before he was to be buried. And so she literally bathed his body, took white cloths and began to wrap them around his body. And I'm sure her tears mingled in with the cloths. And then she took perfume. And the men of the town came with a coffin on poles this time. And they took the body off the bed and put it in the coffin. And they began a parade, same road, going outside the city. And here was this mama walking, holding her little boy's hands. He didn't even know what was going on. And they walked outside the city gates, went to the place he was put in the tomb, and she came home. And I want you to know, folks, that night she was so low, she didn't know if she could go on. I mean, what was a woman to do in that day and time? And, and, and she might have just given up, but then when she looked at that little boy, she said, he'll be worth it. If I have to clean everybody's clothes in town, if I have to cook everybody's food in town, whatever it takes, I'll do it for him. And he began to grow. And now you don't get over something like that. But when she watched him become that young teenager who was everything that her husband used to be, her life was beginning to be full again until one day she checked in and he was shivering with a fever. Now you've got to understand something. That was scary. They didn't have aspirins. They didn't have antibiotics. Somebody gets a fever in that day and time. They could die. And she came in and grabbed him, put him in her arms. She sat there with a wet cloth and washed those drops of sweat as he shivered with the fever there and then she watched as something horrible happened she watched as the chest stopped moving and just sat there a long time holding him didn't want to move finally the people of the town heard and they gathered around the house and she took his bed he took him to the bed and she laid him out and she washed his body and she wrapped him with white cloths. She put perfume on his body and then they came and they picked up the body and put it in the coffin on the poles and began to walk out and they were going down that same road. This time the woman is all by herself and just as they went through the city gates, Jesus walked by. I heard a preacher say one time that Jesus ruined every funeral he ever went to. And he saw the woman and he said, now you can stop crying now. And he reached up and he touched the young man in the coffin. And he said, young man, get up. And he sat up. And at that moment, the whole town became Pentecostal. <laughs> I don't believe they went, amen, amen. I believe they just danced and shouted. And he gave the boy back to his mother. Now, can I read this story to you? And let me just say this. Oftentimes, we read stories too quickly and we don't see all the details and pain that may be in a story. Luke 7 is the story. Look at verse 11. Afterward, he was on his way to a town called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd were traveling with him. And just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. Now watch. His mother's only son, and she was a widow. We just read right past those words, don't we? 
without seeing all that's in there. And the Lord saw her and he had compassion on her. That word for compassion is the deepest word for compassion in the Greek. He felt something deep down in his soul for her. And, and he said, don't weep. Then he came up and touched the open coffin and the pallbearer stopped and he said, young man, I tell you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak and Jesus gave him to his mother. Then fear came over everyone and they glorified God saying, a great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people. I want to tell you something, folks. Give you the main reason why you and I are Christians and that's the reason why we're celebrating this day is the fact that Jesus Christ has conquered death. Amen. Stories like this in his own resurrection prove that. And that's going to mean so much to people in this room. I had someone after the last service tell me that it was hard for them to come to church today because this was their first Easter since their husband died. It's, how, it's amazing how all those milestones are so hard when you go through that, especially that first year. And some of you, it may be your first Easter, your first church service since someone has had a a death in their family. I want to tell you something. We love you and we're praying for you. Don't avoid the grief. Jesus wept at the graveside. Pastor Chad Scruggs lost his daughter in that shooting that happened in Nashville a week and a half ago. She's nine years old. In fact, they tell us that she was reaching to pull the fire alarm so she could get the rest of the kids out when the shooter shot this little girl. Well, Two weeks before the shooting, he was preaching on raising of Lazarus from the dead. And he talked about how Jesus wept at the graveside. And this is what he said in that sermon. He said, a mature faith adds its tears to the sorrow of this world. And yes, we believe he's risen. But yes, we can still weep, friends. Because sometimes I think we weep more because we lose better people. But here's what you need to know. He's conquered death. Can you imagine how devastated Pastor Scruggs and his wife would be if they weren't convinced that they're going to see little Haley again? I, I've, I've been proud of the fact that you haven't heard anything from him outside the first day after the shooting. He and his family put out an official statement, and they said this, we're comforted knowing that she's in the arms of Jesus. I tried to find the funeral service, but rightly, the church did not post that funeral sermon online. That was just for the church and for that family. Uh, he has not preached since, and, and I understand that. But can you imagine how devastating it would be for the Scruggs family if they didn't believe that they would see her again? But here's one of the truths you need to take home today, and this is this. Jesus Christ has conquered death, and that means he's going to put family members back in each other's arms again. Oh, that means so much to me. If I didn't believe that, I'd quit the ministry right now. Because I do a lot of funerals. And what am I going to say to a family? At the graveside or in the service. If I didn't believe that they're going to see him again. If they, you're Christians, you don't say goodbye. You just say, see you in a little while. That's what we believe. And that's the story of this day. Jesus Christ has conquered death. And he gives people back to each other. But another truth that's found in this text is this is in the response to the people. The, 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 the people said this after they watched that miracle. They said, God has visited his people. Can I tell you what this miracle and especially the resurrection does for our faith? This miracle proves that everything we believe is actually true. 
The, the resurrection of Jesus is the exclamation mark at the end of all of our beliefs. And I believe that he is risen and that everything I read in the New Testament is right and true. And one of the things it tells us is that Jesus is God with us. God has visited us. Now, well, Thomas had a hard time believing that Jesus was God in the flesh until he saw him risen from the dead. But once he saw the resurrected Jesus, he got on his knees and he said, God's with us, my Lord and my God. But also, the fact that Jesus is risen tells us this, his resurrection power is here right now to change lives. Can I give you some news that you need to keep in mind? Jesus said in Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am right there. Can I tell you where he is right now? He's right here. And if anybody calls out to, me, to him, no matter what's happened in their life, if anybody calls out to him, they can have him come in their life and change them. And I know somebody's probably saying, oh, you don't know what I've done. You, you don't know how, how bad my past has been. Was your, is your sin greater than the resurrection of Jesus? You don't know how deep my addictions are. Are your addictions stronger than the resurrection of Jesus? No, he's, he's here. He has that strength. A man named Jacob Koshi grew up in Singapore and he plunged into the world of gambling and drugs. In fact, finally, he became the drug lord of Singapore. In 1980, he was arrested. He had to go through withdrawal for the drugs, but his worst thing was when he got put in prison was he was a smoker and they wouldn't let him have cigarettes. So somehow he arranged with all of his connection for somebody to smuggle tobacco into him. They couldn't smuggle cigarettes, but they smuggled tobacco to him. But he didn't have anything to wrap it in, so he found a Gideon New Testament. And he began to pull out a page at time and wrap up the tobacco, and he smoked it. Well, one day he fell asleep while he was smoking. When he woke up, he'd smoking down to the last part of a page. And the last words on the page were, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he got curious about it, so he said, anybody else got to get in New Testament? <laughs> and he found that place, and he read the story, and he thought to himself, if God can save Saul, he can save me. And he cried out to God, and God saved him. And he's going around giving his testimony now that he served his time. And one of the things he says when he gives his testimony, kind of in a comical way, he said, I got saved by smoking the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what you know he's risen the resurrection means God has visited us the resurrection means his power is still available but let me tell you what I also cherish today the story of Jesus raising people from the dead and even his own resurrection I believe that these are previews of coming attractions did you notice the detail he walked up to the coffin and he said young man get up and at Jesus calling him, he sat right up. Put your name there. If you're a Christian, whosoever believes in him will not perish, but has everlasting life. Do you realize there's going to be a day and time when you're going to hear the voice, Steve, get up. And we're going to rise up from the dead. Isn't that incredible? That's what's ahead of us. Bart Millard wrote a wonderful song called, I Can Only Imagine. Then he told the story behind it. When he was a young boy, his father was in a devastating car wreck and received a traumatic brain injury, and that changed his personality. He became a very mean man, an abusive father, an abusive husband, so his wife could take no more, and she just left, but she left Bart with that abusive dad. 
Can you imagine the scars he had from that abuse? But when Bart was nine years old, his dad was diagnosed with a fast-moving case of pancreatic cancer. And something happened again. I don't know if it was the disease or if it was just the reality. But all of a sudden, that brought his dad back to the Lord. And it changed his personality. And for the months that he had remaining, Bart got his old dad back. And they restored their relationship. And and now what it did, ironically, it meant that when finally his dad died, his death, the death of his dad took greater toll on him. He missed him so much. And often as he grew up, as he became a man, he would sit here and think, I wonder what my dad is seeing right now in heaven. He would try to imagine it. And then it has this incredible chorus. He said this. He said, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. But Bart knows this. One day he's going to be standing right beside his father in the presence of God, in his glory, rejoicing together. I thank Justin as we were preparing for bringing this truth out. And talking about the fact that we're going to hear that. We're going to be, oh, it did my heart good. And as I got to thinking about this, as I was working on my sermon, it dawned on me. I'm going to get to see my dad again and we're going to be in heaven again. Let me tell you about my dad. My dad was a wonderful father. Both my dad and I both became committed Christians about the same time. And he got on fire and wanted to share the gospel just as I did. I was just before 15 when I got saved. Shortly after 15, I started preaching. That meant for the first year that I preached, I didn't have a driver's license. So dad had to be my chauffeur. And so everywhere I went, and I probably went to 30 or 40 churches preaching that first year, and he'd sit there and he would beam. I could see such pride in his heart as I preached the gospel and he would watch as God poured out his spirit as I spoke people get saved. My dad reveled in that, but he didn't just sit on the sidelines. My dad wanted to share the gospel, but he did several things. One of the things he did was he wrote Billy Graham and said, can I rent your movies? You know, at that time they were coming out with For Pete's Sake and uh, and uh, the restless ones and all those old movies. And so he bought a projector and he bought a screen and then he started getting a movie a month and we would make a circuit every month. We'd go to the Masonic Children's Home, to the Boys Youth Development Center, to the Girls Youth Development Center. We'd set up the projector, show the film. And then when Billy said, you can come forward now, he and I'd be standing down there. So we could talk to the people that were in those places and got to share Jesus side by side. The first, the last mission trip I've taken was in 2000, and I went to Scotland, and I took my dad with me. That was such a privilege for us to share Jesus together for over a week in a wonderful church in Ayr, Scotland. But not only that, my wife would give you this testimony about him. He, my wife says often he was the sweetest man she knew, so good with our kids, so gentle with with Karen. Isn't that wonderful? But when my dad was 68, he had open heart surgery. And as a result of going on that bypass machine, it triggered rapid onset Alzheimer's in my dad. My dad changed drastically. He was never the same again. In fact, the last year of his life, 
He wouldn't let my mother turn the light on in the living room. He sat in the same chair, wouldn't let her vacuum because any noise would would be overwhelming. They've told me about Alzheimer's that what happens is it's like you just can't quite put two things together. And when you overload the information, it puts a person in a place where they are overwhelmed and scared. And so he lived that way. We couldn't get him out for the last year. And then... One of my members was in charge of the assisted living programs at the hospital there in East Alabama. She went to visit my mother and to kind of diagnose for herself my dad. And when she was there, my dad, who was becoming meaner and meaner by the day, got violent toward my mother. She called the police. And the last time my dad was in their home, they took him out in handcuffs and brought him to the psychiatric hospital at East Alabama. And he never returned home after that. You got to understand what a hole that is. Because I've never made a move without calling my dad and asking his advice while he was alive. He was my constant encourager. And then he went to heaven. And I think of him so often. I think of him being one of those cloud of witnesses looking down. So as Justin and I were talking through this, I said, Justin, this is how I'm going to end it. (laughs) I'm going to talk about, do you realize this, Justin? I'm going to not just get my dad back. I'm going to get my old dad back. And Justin said, no, that's not right, Pastor Steve. You're going to get a better dad back. And there will be a time when we're standing together in heaven, praising Jesus together. That's why you came to church, to be reminded of that today. Jesus has conquered death and Christians don't say goodbye. That's a lot to hold on to, isn't it? Would you pray with me about that now? Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would encourage the heart of every Christian. We got people in this room that are hurting. Holidays are the hardest times for them because they have so many memories. Just lift them up. Lord, I pray right now if there's someone here that doesn't know you, let your Holy Spirit be the one who draws them. Just pull them towards you. And friend, if you've never put your faith in him, whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Just trust him now. Say, Jesus, I trust you. Put your faith in him. In Jesus' name, amen.